Today's episode is a continuation on our Marriage 101 series with an episode that I'm calling, Your Husband is Not the Enemy. Now, it's easy to get stuck in these cycles where that's what it becomes, where it's me against him, keeping the score, I did this this many times, you did this this many times, I can't live like this, and you get in this crazy cycle. So today we're gonna break that down just a little bit and see if we can't switch our mindset just a little bit so that we're not looking at our husband as the enemy, but rather as the gift that he is. Hey, it's Amber, wife, mother, type A child of God. Here are little things we look at everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for listening. So first off, when we go way back to Genesis chapter one in creation, you'll notice that everything that God created, he said it is good or it is very good. It was very good until we get to Genesis two, verse 18. And there God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable to him. That's when he made Eve. Now, those words, helpable, suitable helper, helper suitable. The Hebrew phrase translates to standing opposite to, and it it implies that both genders are incomplete without the other. Each has qualities that the other lacks. Steve and I have said for years and years and years, between the two of us, we almost make one good person. So the things that Steve is really, really good at, he's the most patient, kind man that I know. And patience is like lowest on my list. And I tend to be super sharp instead of making sure that my words come out in the kindest possible way. So, I mean, and there's just so many things too that he, you know, he is uh, very intricate and he can take time to do things very, very well. Whereas I'm like the get it done type of person. And so you need both. There are times that we need to just forge ahead and there are times that we need to stop and go, no, we need to do this well. We need to slow down and do this really, really well. Helper is a term that's used 22 times in the Old Testament. 16 of those times, it refers to God himself as the helper of Israel. So rather looking at it as a derogatory term, we should be thrilled because it means that, you know, when we're thinking about God as our helper, why do we go to God? Because he has so much to give. God created the woman in this position to give so much to her husband. It's a, it's a position of honor, really, not of, you know, submission or uh, lowliness. Now, I want to talk a little bit about what this role of submission is, because submission is a role. So it's a rank, really. It does not mean that before God, we're not equal. So husband and wife are, are equal before God. We're equal in our stance as sinners. First of all, we are both sinful, and we are equal in terms of grace given to us. And we're equal in terms of God doesn't value one over the other. He doesn't 
you know, think the husband is worth far more than the wife. She's just disposable. That's not at all what that means. It's a rank, much as an employer and an employee, or, you know, the president and the vice president, or um, teacher, student, you know, we have to have some sort of authority in place in order to keep the system running smoothly. And I know for my own marriage, oh man, oh, Steve gives me so much leniency as far as how I run the house and what I do. I mean, there are very, very few times that it comes down to how are we going to do this? I say this, he says this. And then in that position, God asks me to submit to my husband. He says, I have made him head. There have been multiple times that we have come to a, a predicament that I, I really feel strongly or I, I'm not feeling comfortable about the direction that Steve says to go. And I will say to God, I am submitting because you are asking me to submit and I beg you to take care of this. And how pleasing that is to God. I'm not going against Steve, I'm not going against God. I'm saying to God, in your word, you tell me to submit to my husband. So I am obeying what you have asked of me, and I'm leaving the results in your hand. Please work it out. Then I back away, and I wait and watch as God works it out. Um, in 1 Peter 3, we're told wives to respect our husbands. And the Rainies have this phenomenal ministry for marriage and children, child rearing with grandchildren, that type of thing. Barbara Rainey wrote an article breaking down what it means to respect our husbands. And I have some key takeaways that I just thought were phenomenal. So she says, when you respect your husband, you notice him, regard him, honor him, prefer him and esteem him. You value his opinion, admire his wisdom and character, appreciate his commitment to you, consider his needs and his values. Do you notice your husband throughout the day? Do you notice him? Or are you just so busy with the kids, so busy with everything that you don't stop to give him a hug, stop to ask, how are you doing today? Stop to say, what's on your mind? What are you thinking about? What do you need? You just run in as fast as you can doing all your to-do list without checking in on him at all. To respect him is to notice him. How about to admire him? Do you ever stop to tell your husband the things that he's doing great? That can mean so much to a man. Now, Barbara said that she asked her husband what he needed from her, which just that, I mean, if you just back up for a second, what a phenomenal thing to do. What, what do you need from me? What can I do to help you be the best man that you can be? These are the things that he said. Your husband might come up with totally different ones, but I was, I was, I thought this was very illuminating. He said, I need self-confidence. I need you to build me up. I think most men are extremely insecure. And it is the wife's job to really build them up. 
He said, I need you to listen to me. So I need you to sit on the couch. And when I'm telling you what's going on at work, I need you to listen. I need companionship. I want you to want to be with me. So don't just blow me off. I actually want to be with me. Go to supper with me. Go to a movie with me. Go take a walk with me. Go whatever. And I like to be needed. Whether it's opening a jar or putting up a shelf or you saying, hey, can you do that? That was Barbara's husband's needs. Your husband might have totally different needs. So it's up to you to figure out what your husband really needs from you. But what a great conversation to have. Okay. I remember reading several years ago a study that a, um, or an article that a marriage counselor had written, and I couldn't find the exact article, but I found another one. It was six indicators that your marriage is heading towards divorce. And I'm just going to read a couple of them. They didn't all seem like maybe prevalent to this discussion right here, but a couple of them did. So number one was what was called a harsh startup, meaning that this counselor who was writing this article said that if a couple came to him and they started the first three minutes in attack mode, he could pretty much know that this is going down the very, very wrong path. Is all criticism and an attack versus any tenderness towards each other. Uh, second, he called them the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I thought these were very, very instructive. Criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. So let's talk about these and see if either you or your spouse fit into these categories. Criticism is disapproval based on faults and mistakes. I think women are really good at criticism. We can list off our husband's mistakes like right now. Like I can just rattle them off. You do this, 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 this. (laughs) Sometimes our husbands can do it right back. That's one of the four four horsemen of the apocalypse. Like we're headed towards destruction if we get stuck in this criticism mode. Contempt is the feeling someone is beneath consideration. I'm not even trying anymore. It's not even worth my time. Defensiveness is the urgency to challenge or avoid. So your spouse comes to you and says, you know, that really, that really hurt me when you did this and you just, whatever, doesn't matter. Or, or I only did that because you, if you hadn't done this, then I wouldn't have challenge or avoid. And stonewalling, stonewalling is just refusing to answer at all. So your spouse comes to you with a need, a want, a question, uh, whatever, and you just won't even answer. That's stonewalling. If you're saying, oh man, Amber, that's my husband or that's our relationship, I'm going to give you some seven things that you can think about doing to really help your marriage. Number one, pray. Pray for your husband. This is so important and pray for your marriage. God is for your marriage. Satan wants to destroy your marriage. All of the forces of evil want nothing more Then for broken homes, broken marriages, marriages where spouses aren't together on the same page, because when you are unified together and when you are worshiping God 
and going to church together and raising godly children together, you are a force to be reckoned with. But as long as Satan can keep you miserable and at each other's throat, then he is winning. So pray for your husband. Pray that he walks closely with the Lord and read the Bible with him to make that happen. Pray for the things that are driving you nuts. If he's stonewalling, ask the God to soften his heart. Look, God is good at that. We are not so much. A lot of times we can try and we will nag and we will do all these things and that doesn't help. God can do what we can't. Pray that, um, you know, your husband finds delight in you. Pray that God opens your heart to love him. Pray that God shows you the great things he is doing instead of all the things that drive you crazy. There's a million things to pray. Pray that you stay on the same page. There are so many things that you can pray for your marriage. Pray that you're more patient with him, whatever. But um, make a list of the things that you need to pray for your marriage, about your marriage, and then pray for those daily, all throughout the day. Number two, know that if you start an argument or you, you know, start right as he comes in the door, guns blazing, you're probably sabotaging things. So consider, I know in, um, I can't remember their names, but I know I can see their faces right now, but it's uh, men from Mars and women are from Venus or men are like something, a box and women are like spaghetti or one of those. I remember them saying that uh, it's best to schedule a time to talk to your husband instead of just bombarding him as he wakes up or walks through the door or enters a room or you go into the room where he's watching TV and you're like, how dare you sit and watch TV? I've got a million things to do. That typically sabotages what you're actually trying to get him to do. If you can't schedule it because you've got people coming over, it's Christmas or whatever, consider right off the bat scheduling a little powwow. Like, hey, can I talk to you about all the things that I need to do today and see if there's anything you can do to help me or or just know that today's not going to be a day that I'll be able to notice you because these are all the things on my plate. So instead of going in guns blazing, consider uh, approaching it the way you would a coworker or your boss at work or you know this is these are all the things that are on my plate today and I'm a little overwhelmed. So I just want you to know that. Number 3. When you have things to address with your husband, consider making them a compliment sandwich. A dear friend of mine taught me this years and years and years ago. So same kind of concept as the nagging or guns blazing or going up to your husband just da-da-da. Instead of attacking your spouse, consider starting with a compliment. I love when you do. Or thank you for doing whatever. I'm struggling with this and then another compliment, but I want you to know that I really appreciate this so that it's not just all bad. This is bad. I can't deal with this anymore. Blah, blah, blah. Compliment sandwich. Number four, look for the good. Now, Barbara Rainey's advice was to build your husband up. Look for ways to build him up find things that he's doing right. Uh, You know, my dear friend Rhoda 
talks a lot about gratitude. And she has taught me that the more that you look for things to be grateful for, the more you become grateful for. It's the same with your husband when you look for the good. So when you look for the good, you find something good, you tell him, you are amazing. You did this. And then all of a sudden he does something else and you say, that's amazing. Thank you for doing that. The more that you look for, the more that you find. The same is true when you're grumbling. The more that upsets you, drives you crazy, the more you see that. That's just the way that your brain works. It's the path that your brain goes. You either have a choice to go in the path of grumbling or the path of gratitude. Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth has had a 30-day challenge that she's talked about multiple, multiple times. And the testimonies are crazy about the marriages that have been saved. The challenge is that for 30 days, you do not criticize your husband. For 30 days, you find something positive to say to him. Thank him for, build him up, whatever. So even if something comes in your mind in that 30 days, you're not going to bring it up. Now, if there's an issue that needs to be brought up, you can bring it up like in a positive way. But for the most part, just the little naggy things you don't do. For 30 days, you say nothing but positive, encouraging words that build them up. And people have written in like, this has saved my marriage. Yeah, it will. Because instead of always putting him down, you're building him up. And that's what all of us long for. Number five, change your mindset. Again, when you are looking at your husband as the problem, when you are looking at him as the weakest link, when you are looking at him as a fumbling fool that does not add value to the fa- that family, you are treating him like that. Change your mindset to one that is, Lord, I am so thankful you have given me this spouse. Help me to see all the good. Help me to know he's not the enemy. Help me to be on the same page as him. When you change your mindset about your husband, everything else will change too. Plain and simple. Number six, change happens when you make a big deal about the great things he is doing. I've said this when I talked about the parenting. I have learned and I've learned far too late. And if you have young children, I hope and pray that you can learn this so much sooner than I did. Positive reinforcement does so much more than negative comments. Change happens when you start with the positive reinforcement, whether it's your husband or your children. Catch them doing good. Build them up. Positive reinforcement rather than the negative nagging. That's change the mindset. Number seven, communicate, 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 communicate. One of the first women that I worked for, the first woman I worked for as a private elderly companion, she used to use the phrase, you cannot over communicate, Amber. I will never be angry with you for over communicating. So often we think that our spouses can read our minds and they should just know what we need or they should just be able to anticipate what we're thinking. And the truth is that is a really lousy way to to do things because nine times out of 10, our spouses are thinking totally different thoughts and they're 
they're thinking about different things than we are. And they don't mean to be negligent or mean to be um, not noticing how busy we are. They're just thinking about their work or they're thinking about something else. So if we communicate, like I said, what a difference it would make if when you have a really busy week or a really busy day or whatever, um, you would communicate. Just say, you know, hey, this is what I have on my plate today. I'm super overwhelmed. I probably won't get a chance to make supper tonight. I won't have dot, 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 dot. And then leave it up to them. Like, this is where I'm at. I just wanted you to know. Uh, one little thing about that, I don't compete with phones. So I've heard from women who are like, well, my husband will be on the phone. And he'll be like, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't. I, um... Maybe I'm harsh in this respect, but I have noticed that if someone's watching the TV or on their phone, uh, that's where misinterpretation and miscommunication happens. So when I walk into the room, whether it's with my children or my husband or whatever, if I have something that is really important that I need them to know, I will give them, you know, a couple seconds. If you're in the middle of an email, I don't expect you to put your phone down or whatever. But if you're just scrolling through Instagram or what have you, and if they don't put it down, then I'll be like, hey, I really need to talk to you for a couple of seconds. So if you could just mute the TV or or pause or put the phone down, that would be great. Because good communication does not happen when the other person is on their phone. That's all I have to say about that. Abraham Lincoln said, most, most folks are about as happy as they make up their minds to be. That was on a plaque in uh, either our break room or one of the bathrooms at work when I worked in the nursing home. And it was somewhere where I saw it enough times that I couldn't agree more. If you decide that your marriage is just not a very great marriage or your spouse is not all that great, that's where you're gonna live. And if you decide, you know what, I want to have the very best marriage that I can have. And I'm going to build my spouse up and I'm going to encourage him and I'm going to support him and I'm going to pray for him. And you know what? I want this marriage to be fantastic and phenomenal and I'm praying for it and I'm doing all I can. It's amazing how just switching your mindset can change everything. This has been Little Things because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things.